One day we'll put this out. I swear it. <laughs> the most challenging character was actually releasing the things we've been recording. I mean, by the time you you may be listening to this, uh, you know, we may both be dead and gone. I don't know. <laughs> this is the artifact that survives the death of our civilization. Yes. And people of the future are very confused. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hi there, welcome back to the John T. Mantis. This is a podcast where we have creative questions for curious gamers. And uh, my name is Matt or Maddie or Hugh. I haven't decided yet. It's one of those. And with me, as always, is my beautiful co-host, Jesse. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Matt? Very, very well. Thank you for asking uh, I want to kick off this episode with a creative question about challenging characters. This is something that I think we've kind of, uh, you know, pushed back and forth in our our private chats. Um, and I think that you and I spend a, a lot of time being uh, game master. Um, and in certain s- scenarios, we do find ourselves uh, on the player side. Rarely do we ever find ourselves typically in the past on that side together. Um, and and when t- we do, <laughs> God help whoever's running it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So I thought, you know, why not address this topic of challenging characters and what is a challenging character and why do we need to talk about it? Uh, so I, if you don't mind, I'd like to kick off by saying what I view to be a challenging character, or maybe we should start with what is not a challenging character, I guess. So, you know, I don't want to throw any shade on anybody. If you're someone who, you know, you're, you've modeled your character after a certain character in a show or movie or book or comic or whatever, you're doing it right. Keep on doing what you're doing, but what do we consider to be a non-challenging character as far as a player is concerned? Um, one of the things I'd throw right out there is, you know, uh, coming out the gate with a hot take is, uh, a tragic backstory, mm-hmm. um, a la Batman, like a backstory, I guess a backstory that leaves you to risk not a lot. And admittedly, uh, one of the guys I think you're going to talk about tonight just found out last night has an incredibly tragic backstory. And I'm not <laughs> talking about that one, but I'm talking about like, I had a family they were all murdered and now mm. there's i'm on a quest for vengeance so like okay you want revenge in mm. a game where 90% of the rules are about fighting mm. and there's no hook now for the dm to make that story matter to your present character anyway other than just put your list of uh, villains in front of you i think i'm not there's nothing wrong with that that's fun to play i know i've played that kind of character but i don't necessarily think that uh, is a challenge mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of actual stakes. Yeah, I think in that regard, I think I'm a little bit more lenient on it than most people would be because I feel like that's kind of a rite of passage. 
when you're playing role-playing games. I think if you haven't made a character with that backstory specifically, um, you know, I think you should. I think everybody should explore that. And I think you should do it and get it out of your system and then grow beyond it. So I'm a lot more lenient for it. Like if this is your first time, uh, that's fine. But if you tend to make characters with that same or maybe slight variations on it or whatever the case may be. But if I could give you a little bit of pushback, like don't don't most stories in our modern culture involve like that kind of tragic element. It's very easy to understand. You know what I mean? Like if you take like a Marvel movie, like the guardians of the galaxy, like star Lord's mom dies, but she dies from cancer. So he doesn't have anybody to take revenge upon. So it's, it's, it's nuanced in a little bit in that fashion. And then it gets a little bit more nuanced and then he gets taken away from his planet, but it's not like a complicated, that's not a complicated character. In my opinion, it's made to appeal to a wide audience. And I think that, when we play role-playing games, we replicate what we understand in modern storytelling. So, um, yeah. What, and and mm-hmm. again, like I said, absolutely nothing wrong with that, but is that per se a challenge? Mm-hmm. Is that a stretch for you, you know, inhabiting this character or coming up with that story mm-hmm. to say, like, I have this grief in my background and my grief describes some of the ways that I act as a character. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe per, on the other hand, it is a challenge because actually my parents have never been murdered mm-hmm. uh, in an alley, alley but um, yeah. But the way you lean into it is you just gravelly voice talk and then like, you know, swear to me. Uh, and then I don't yeah, know. You tell somebody, you know, you're not wearing hockey pads. That's why. Right. So, yeah, yeah I think. You know, I think it's difficult for the average person to imagine what a tragic origin story would be. I mean, I don't want to marginalize anybody's pain in the world, but I think for the vast majority of us, like our pain is is very private and personal and uh, wrapped up in our complex human relationships. And I think when you get to the D&D table or any gaming table, you kind of just want to be like, you know what? I, I just want something simple and straightforward. Like my parents were killed. Like that's, that's just easier for everybody to understand. And I don't want my tragic backstory to be that like, you know, my, my father has been slowly feeding my mother poison for the last 10 years. And it finally worked. And you know what I mean? Like that just, it's like, we want to roll dice and, and, and kill orcs. Right. So, right. So I, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't really have a problem with it, you know, so if we've identified that kind of as like the stereotypical non-challenging character, then what is an example of a challenging character? Like the mid, like if we have low, mid and high, what is the middle mark for a challenging character? Something, somebody with just enough uh, to for a DM to work with, but uh, not simple and straightforward. Well, I think, again, I, I go right out the gate with the Batman example. Um, and I think one of the things about the uh, the Batman, and this is uh, one of the things just seeing Robert Pattinson in that role is it just occurred to me, and this is slightly embarrassing. It occurred to me for the first time watching that movie of, oh, the Batman is not well. Mm. Like somehow, maybe just he's been a pop culture phenomenon yeah. in my lifetime. It never occurred to me, oh, this guy is really messed up. Really? I mean, like 
he's <laughs> really, really messed up. Like he's listening to drone core versions of Nirvana songs while he draws on the floor with an exacto knife. So that level, mm-hmm. like having that level of the tragedy, I think could be a challenge because that is not. I mean, that's almost like asking, like, welcome to your D&D game. I would like you to now become a method actor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, you know, that's, that's, I mean, my very first experiences with role-playing games was with people who were theater majors. So I, I could see them exploring that kind of material. Batman always seemed exceptionally unhinged to me, even you know, even going as far back as uh, the more tamer versions of, uh, that we know the character in, because I always thought it was interesting that this guy, you know, his parents got murdered when he was a kid and, and everyone, nobody questions why he keeps like grabbing children, putting them in costumes and making them fight crime with them. And it's like, it's like, cause he's really fucked up and he's trying to replicate a family structure. And this is like, you know, so damage in mental damage then in that capacity, I guess is, is that what makes complex a complex or challenging character? Does it have to be wrought with tragedy? I think okay. So we're talking about emotional, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is the same thing with mechanics on the other end of the challenge. Okay, so we've had the emotional depth and the mechanics. I'm gonna try and draw a line between them. So so follow me with it. In the first example of I have a tragic past. My parents were killed, and now I'm on a background for vengeance. That costs you as a character uh in the hands of most dms that costs you nothing no stretch is required to make you're like you see the guy that killed your parents i kill him ah like that's not a stretch right to me that's that's not a challenging character and again like we (laughs) probably i'll try to make this the last time i say this you do not have to play a challenging character (laughs) Like, and if you don't, there's nothing wrong with not playing a challenging character. But if you do, um, it's one of those things where I think if you have on the emotional end, those emotions should uh, create a hindrance for you. You should lean into them in ways that make it hard for you to achieve your player goals or even your character goals because of that that is where i think the challenge starts is mm-hmm. to throw out little story nuggets that don't optimize a situation for you right i think maybe at that point isn't it the dm's responsibility or the game master's responsibility to challenge it up a little bit or make it a little bit more complicated do you think i think it works best when it's like i don't think you should if you want it to really be a stretch, I think you're going to have to insert it into the character into the game yourself because the GM is managing how many other people, all the NPCs in the world. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with having that conversation of, "Hey, I would like this aspect of my backstory to create some complications for me in the next session or two. Can we talk about how to do that?" But mm-hmm. just like default assuming you know, that your your game master is going to be able to to hit that a lot or bring it to the fore and allow you to just respond, I think is not a, a great way to, to lean into that challenge. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, the same thing mechanics with suboptimal characters where the mechanics themselves hinder you from always being successful um, right. or, you know, less than your chance of success. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that's the two things. To me, the challenge it is when you lean into the unknown of what can happen to your character because of who they are, and you let that unknown happen even when it makes things hard or perilous for your character. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I agree with all that. I think in in my opinion if I at my table if somebody brought, you know, a, a character with the backstory we're talking about, the Batman backstory, I think I'd just be so happy that somebody actually did the work, even if that's a little even if it was just to use this background from Batman. You know, I think we're spoiled. Our current group that we're both in, like, I, you know, people rise to the occasion and want to do interesting little quirky storylines or backstories or whatever the case. So I think we're hashtag blessed in that regard. But, you know, in the past, it's like I've been like, hey, I want I really want to run this game. Um, you know, everybody's on board and uh, Jesse's the only one that gives me a backstory. You know, everybody else is like, oh, I forgot to do it or I ran out of time or I wrote something. I didn't like it. So I, I feel like if somebody gives me the Batman backstory, I'm like, okay, cool. I just need to do some tweaks on this. Like, let's have let's have it eventually turn out that the people who murdered their parents uh, did so because their parents were actually terrible people and they had no idea. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Uh, you know, maybe I'm a maybe that's kind of a dick move on my part. But uh, you didn't really give me much to work with, and. Uh, I'm just happy you did it. So I think in that regard, you know, I, 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 I think there's room for improvement for sure. I think there's another time going back to what you're saying about our gaming group being hashtag blessed. Um, there's another uh, kind of challenge as well that I think has to do with not knowing everybody in your gaming group really well. Like I feel like the challenge mode goes up when you don't, really know uh like when it's a new group getting together for the first time or like if you're in a situation where you have to play with like a group that meets up at a the friendly local game store um like because there's nobody's willing to let these weirdos they don't know into their house sure um like yeah i think in those situations there's also challenge as well um one of the things that you know we suggested this topic and kind of planned for it and then i was like but I'm not really, I feel utterly safe to do anything I want to do with my character and like every gaming group I play with. And then I had a moment with them like, am I just an asshole then? Like, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, without, without um, going into too much, right. I feel like your current character in one of our games, the, um, our 5e game, I think that character is a challenging character. And yeah. I think it's a challenging character for you. And I think it's a character I would steer clear of. So why don't you give us a little rough overview of that character? Sure. Um, Burdine Cleargrain uh, is basically, um, so I, I have, you know, y'all, if you play for a while, you have your character type you tend to lean into. Uh, mm -hmm. I go through phases I typically, I think my main go-to has always been the bard or the face or the social character. And I'm still kind of that in this one, but my my tweak is I'm bad at it. I just smile a lot and use really big words the character doesn't really understand. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I my challenge on this one is like, I never play a human fighters. I'm like, human fighters are basic and dumb. 
I, if there is a monster species and that's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to apologize anymore. Uh, <laughs> if there is an inhuman species, that's the stretch I want to make. What is like to be something reviled, something inhuman, uh, mm -hmm. something that doesn't think in a human way, something monstrous, something savage, or, you know, just a really charming guy. I don't know. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, what I'm used to is that you've played, uh, some of the most creative characters I've ever seen anybody play in a role-playing game. And so for you to take on, um, you know, a human fighter with, I think the stylings of like mad Mardigan from the oh, yeah, that's movie Willow hundred percent deliberate. Right. Right. And I, and, and, and that's why I think it's a challenging character for you because, um, I think for a lot of people, human fighter stylized after mad Mardigan, they're like, all right, now I got it. Like, that's a great idea. Like I, I could really do that. And, and, and they should like, I, you know, I, I think, I think if that's your character concept, go with it. I, I'd love to see where that goes, but for somebody like you, like you're used to being like, like what, what, like how far can I take this? You know what I mean? Like I'm going to play this dragon born druid called the branch creeper, you know, who takes everything like super literal outside of the context of animals, but not in like a Drax from guardians of the galaxy way, like in a different uh, totally different way. Um, and, and, and there's this unhinged side to his like animalistic savage nature. Like he's a part of nature. Uh, he's not like most people play druids in the fact that they are like the caretaker caretakers or warders of nature. And your character is like a savage aspect of nature in themselves. Um, and so I think a lot of people would shy away from doing the things that you've done in games with certain characters, um, especially in the way that you and I met where you played a, a, a lizard man who, you know what I mean? It, it, around, oh, a, <laughs> around a table of strangers, like you're making like Jurassic park style dinosaur calls, you know, as, as one of the characters in the group got kidnapped into a sound, the alarm you at, at a full table full of people you don't really even know. Uh, with the exception of a couple of people. And this is how Jesse and I met, you know, he's making dinosaur calls at the table. And I think that's a challenging character. Like vulnerability is challenging. And one of the things I like about role-playing games and Dungeons and Dragons in particular, since that that's what I have the most amount of experience playing is that you really have to be vulnerable in order to make role-playing games work. Well, you sit around a table with people and you subscribe to this idea that you're all going to, you're all adults using your imagination and then you kind of have to like do voices and say and do things that you wouldn't normally do in your life. And everybody's got to kind of be on, 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 uh, par with it. So, you know, I think that's what a challenging character is for most people. And I don't want to say that comes super easy to you. Cause I think you do a lot of work to, to delve into that idea. Um, you know, but I think you're, I think that this is your current character in that 5e game is one of your more challenging characters because you really have to pick your moments with that character. You know what I mean? Like you're used to having the spotlight on you and you're having to kind of just wait for your moment and then hit it, you know? Yep. Is that accurate? Yeah. <laughs> Are my yeah, compliments um... of you accurate? Yeah, no. Um. Yeah, he's not going to, go in to lead every negotiation and and you know like some of the behaviors because i've been doing this for a while and i'm keyed into it being a group experience is um i 
try and read social cues and be good at turn-taking at the table and try and do things to get other characters involved in the scene. And when you're doing that as the face, you just ask somebody a question in character. When you're doing it as the fighter, whose really only concern is that people know that he's the best fighter in the land and that people know he's handsome and charming when he's actually probably neither. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so that's a variation for Mad Mardigan, who is mm-hmm. handsome and actually charming. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 hard. Uh, and that's, that's, but that was the deliberate stretch of like, what is the, how do I get out of my comfort zone in Dungeons and Dragons? And it's by playing a human fighter, which I just find hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that kind of goes back to, you know, your comfort level as far as what a challenging character is, is concerned. I think this goes back to the tragic backstory, the Batman origin story, you know, for me, I think a, a super challenging, the ultimate challenging character would be to invoke the tragedy elements of my own personal life, being somebody who uh, suffers horrendously from depression. Uh, you know, that doesn't translate well into the gaming table. Like um, our actual tragedy does not translate well into the gaming experience because A, it's supposed to be fun. B, we're supposed to be like you know, exiting reality for a second and through an escape mechanism, a shared experience. And then see, it's like people don't want to air their own dirty laundry and I don't blame them, you know, just so. I sort of come at that from a different perspective too. And I think this informs what I think of a challenging character is like, um, I went to a theater magnet high school and my first attempt at college, I was studying theater. So I was a very much a theater kid and like read, um, Stanislavski and and uh like read the method and all this stuff and um sort of had this idea that I came from playing characters on stage of just like every aspect of that feeling that I'm bringing to the character is a part of myself mm-hmm. um that I'm just exploring and that also was reinforced by my early teenage gaming experiences you know I started with uh D&D when I was like 12 but by the time I was like 16, I was playing in a vampire LARP and that really sort of like, what is this, you know, these darker sides, your dirty laundry, that game is designed unlike D and D to like, no, that's the fun. Let's air our dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into even more, um, extreme versions of that like pathos driven game from white wolf like wraith the oblivion which god i would love to actually play that someday (laughs) um i've owned a couple different incarnations of the rule set i have the newest 20th anniversary edition and a massive tome on my bookshelf i've read it and it's just like finding the group that's like hey so i know for the last couple years we've been making you know witty one-liners and you know fighting monsters and saving the day but how would you feel about a deep meditative experience on death loss and grieving um (laughs) my favorite things i know right uh (laughs) and and i will say this like just as a little aside from uh right before you returned to the group we had a player drop uh and kurt had uh alice is missing um, mm. which is the game played only by text. 
And I will freely admit, sorry, guys, if you do listen to this, this will probably be buried mid-season. So you will have been given up listening to be supportive and probably <laughs> miss this. But I was hesitant that a bunch of white dudes in their 40s could play a pathos-driven game about a missing girl and all that that entails and what we know of society mm -hmm. today. That, like, a missing teenage girl with all that implies. Mm-hmm. And my God, they surprised me. I'm like, I could actually play Wraith with these dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. they brought it out. Like, um, and that, that, those were challenging characters as well because mm -hmm. God, I don't remember how to be a teenager. <laughs> like it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I still have nightmares where I'm back in high school, but those are always in my current 40 year old form like i have these horrible repeating nightmares where i get sent back to high school and they're like yeah you know you fucked up and you didn't you didn't do something right and you didn't graduate and i and the first thing i say is like why are you sticking me back in high school with a bunch of kids like there isn't a test i could take there's a there's a you know there's a there's a the class i could attend they're like no you have to replicate this painful horrible experience uh, that you were convinced was going to be the downfall of your, your identity. You got to do it all over again, <laughs> but this time it's worse. This time you're a 40 year old man surrounded by teenagers. You have no peers. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I hope next, I hope for you next time you have that dream, like right as it starts, there's a record scratch. You look directly at the mental camera and go, you're probably wondering how I got here. Mm -hmm. Now that I would watch. Yeah. That'd be for great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for, what I consider to be a challenging character. Yeah, let's hear about some someone you've jumped into again. I... The uh, the ultimate challenging character I had, which was a complete failure of uh, uh, playing a character, is my eyes were definitely way bigger than my stomach. Uh, I think we were playing. I think the game is called Godbound. It's a yes by Kevin Crawford from Sign Nominee Publishing. It's a great game. Um, I, I can't I, I only played it very briefly, but the the uh, the way this game is organized um, and the way that it plays out is is, is very elegant um, considering what's happening in the game. So you take on these personas of these demigods or gods or like exalted power level creatures in a you know in a world filled with you know normal humans and fantas fantastical creatures and whatnot, you know. Um, and you play like a group of gods, essentially, or or a group of deities ascending in power. And, you know, a lot of the people in the group went with, you know, what you would think of as, you know, your typical godlike characters using archetypes or characterizations from story and culture. And for some reason, I got it in my head that like I would create like a reanimated like machine animal spirit from a, 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 you know, a martyred human that like all these pieces had gotten sewn together. And then it, it had become this like multi personality creature. And I, like, right after I created, created it, I should have realized what it was and said, guys, I need to bow out of this first session and try again. But I really tried to make it work and it just did not fit. It was like, the concept I thought was cool of being like a, a Frankenstein like character, but there was just so many creative elements that I tried to throw into the mix that I ended up like 
overwhelming myself and the character was too challenging. I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to have him like interact with anybody because I was like too far in my own head about it. You know, it's like, I didn't even understand what this character was and I should have scrapped him, but I thought it would be, you know, I I was like, this is going to be a real challenge to play is probably what I thought. And I couldn't even get him out of the, out of the, uh, the beginning stages of beginning to figure out who that character is. You ever had a character like that? Um, probably, but it's probably been in a campaign that like lasted like two sessions or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had, uh, and I do want to, sorry, before I, before I jump into that question, I do want to say too, like that was a group where, you know, we didn't necessarily know everybody Mm -hmm. was playing at the table. And I wonder if that character concept, if it had been in a group that had been part of for a long time, if that issue wouldn't have arisen. And I think, too, um, that character concept wasn't necessarily fitted to a theme of the game that the GM wanted to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gamely said yes and tried, but it, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, yeah, I think it would have been better for everybody if he had been like, I think he should try something else, you know, <laughs> like, but I appreciate the fact that he gave it a shot, you know. Yep. So. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh strategist characters. Uh which I've I've tried a couple times different variations of in Exalted. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think one of the sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like for some reason, if you give me a god level power game, the the like Exalted, the uh the god bound game being the one notable exception, um where I was bound to the words of death in the sea. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, I tend to want to make really smart guys that like manipulate things from the shadows. And like you, you have the power of a dim eye God, but like I basically want to play Jugaliang from the, you know, romance of the three kingdoms game, the hidden hidden dragon all the time. Be like, mm-hmm. ah, I'll just stay back here and stroke my beard. But really I planned this out 10 moves ago. Um, and that's actually hard to do. Um, in a way that gives opportunities for the other players to be more like we played this one game and I made some variation of that uh, in an exalted game and we played it for a while and there's this whole thing and my character was a king and there was this force attacking the kingdom and I'm asking the other players for help and that game kind of dissolved and one of the players said like Jesse I feel like I'm just like a subsection on your character sheet (laughs) fair fair (laughs) that's awesome <laughs> yeah so that yeah. yeah that campaign went up in dust um what do you think are like the trademark two challenging characters like is it like the evil character because a lot of groups have a rule of no evil characters and i think they have it for you know a very good reason because i, I don't think people you know i i personally believe that the vast majority of all human beings are good uh, at their core. And I think that's why it's very difficult for us to play evil characters in role-playing games. And, 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 and I think it's also what is so compelling about playing games like grand theft auto or being into like true crime podcasts or, or being interested in serial killers or the way our ancestors were obsessed with like the gladiator, uh, gladiator arenas or like a pit fighting or whatever 
is I think that like, as a society, we've gotten more good. I'm a very positive person in this regard. I think society is on a very positive track, even though we have horrible, terrible things in our world that need to be solved and are not being addressed quick enough. And I don't want to marginalize anybody's pain or experience, but I think that we have an obsession with our darker nature of the human race. And I think that that doesn't work in a role-playing game. Would you say that that's kind of like the quintessential too challenging of a character for your typical gaming group? Um, one of the things, yeah, I think, and where that comes to is just like the table contract of like people don't how to agency and consent. I know how, Oh, it's a, a John T Mantis episode and Jesse's at agency. Um, evil gets played as selfish a lot. Mm hmm. Um, and I think extreme selfishness is a fair, good definition for evil. My needs matter more than anyone else's, even the people I care about. And so I'm going to do things that really cause harm in order to get those needs met. Uh, that's extreme selfishness. Mm -hmm. Like at its root, that doesn't work when you have a party-based game. Yeah. Yeah. This is the number one reason why my brother does not like playing role-playing games is because he usually plays in a group where you know somebody's stealing uh treasure and is saying it in front of the players but their characters don't know about it or everybody's rushing into the fight and somebody flame strikes and hits everybody and it's just like meh i don't care uh you know and and it, it just kind of breaks that collective spirit for him where you know that really bothers him um it doesn't bother me at all. Like if you accident uh, accidentally or on purpose kill my character with a flame strike or you're stealing from the party, I think it's hilarious, but I don't want that kind of behavior. I've played in a group or I've run a game for a group where, um, you know, people in that group were just using it as a way to do chaotic devious shit that they thought, you know, would, would, you know, show everybody like how dark they were inside. It was all a big act. And it was, it was, it was like, it, it was um, embarrassing. I was embarrassed for the person because it was super disruptive for disruption's sake. If the person wasn't playing a character, the person was just being an asshole. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it would be the, the equivalent of like, cause game gaming is a social contract. It's an activity that we all decided to participate in. And I think that should come with some ground rules. And I'm, uh, that's why I like like a session zero. Um, and I equated this person's behavior in that game to be the equivalent of like, I, if we were like, Hey, let's all go out for ice cream. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go get ice cream. And then we get to the place. We all got our ice cream and our ice cream cones. And then this person just starts whacking them out of people's hands and starts laughing. You know, it's like, you're just doing it just to be an asshole. Like, that's you're not playing an evil character. You're just being yourself. You're just being a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. So when, when I was a teacher, I used to have this essay that we did in our master's class, um, which was for non-native English speakers. I was, you know, teaching basically people who are going to go to university here, uh, English so they could be successful in university here. And we read this essay by Stephen King called why we watch horror movies. Mm. Um, and I taught this thing so much that it's kind of stuck with me because I've read it probably like, you know, it's a three page essay, like 30 or 40 times. Um, and his basic thesis is like, 
we all have these anti-civilization lizard brain feelings in us and people watch horror movies to sort of open the trap door and feed that gator that's swimming down in the dark in a safe way because mm. if the gators don't get fed they break out and get hungry and i think uh you know like i think that playing an evil character can do that or doing evil acts in a game but when you're doing it like at the expense of the fun of the other very real human beings yeah that that's again that's not I don't necessarily think it's challenging to play an evil character because okay. you just do fucked up shit, but mm -hmm. you care about the people that you're with, so you don't do it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, that I think that's where the challenge comes in in playing an evil character. If anybody does listen to this podcast, I would say the next time your group gets uh, the idea to play evil characters, consider playing an evil character who will not screw over the party. And the reason why is they need these people. They need everyone to get along. Like think of a sociopath. Think of somebody who's using uh, people's personalities and what drives them in order to help them achieve their own goals, right? So I, I look at that as like the ultimate evil in a sense of you could have this like, I guess that's more lawful evil than chaotic evil in an D&D alli alignment sense. But like, if you're playing an evil character, my challenge to you would be like, be almost like a, a very good person as far as that party is concerned. You're super loyal. There's nothing you wouldn't do with them. You're there for them in every way. You don't steal from them. You don't betray them. And the simple reason is you guys go into dungeons together. You guys do dangerous stuff and you need them to trust you and, and the same while you're doing your nefarious shit in other parts of this of this world. So I think that's the more challenging character when it comes to an evil character is playing it again, like we said in the beginning with some nuance. Yeah. And if you're not like to me, what makes that a challenging character? Are you used to doing that? Is that fun mm -hmm. for you? Then, right. well, that then that's not actually a challenge. Right. And again, nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> right. so yeah. I think if you want to play against type, for yourself if you want to stretch if you want to see what you can do as a role player that's when you lean into a challenging character and you do the thing that gives up some of your control over your story you do the thing uh that is a stretch for you uh you do the thing that is counter to your most obvious strength as a player of the game if you're talking about player knowledge um mm -hmm. i think playing a kid would be a real challenge for me mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I did sure. it actually once in um, Part-Time Gods, which is a uh, sort of urban fantasy, um, little fragments of divinity come down through bloodlines or something. And so you are basically an incarnation of this god. Scion um, from the uh, Onyx Path is a very similar game. Um, and in that game... Like the blood secret lineage of my bloodline was that uh, it was basically like Odin. So mm -hmm. I was like a god of secrets, but I was also like a 13 year old kid in private school uh, that like really liked video games and, mm -hmm. you know, like and knew everyone's secrets and would destroy. Cause there was this like grim Odin Norse vengeance aspect to him, but he was also a 13 year old kid that wanted to be considered a good kid. Right. Uh, that was a real challenge. Because mm -hmm. we all had to have meetings and all the other PCs were adults. 
So right. like our pantheon would have to get together and I'd be like there, like, you know, playing my Nintendo DS. Like mm-hmm. that's hilarious. It's yeah. very American gods esque. Yeah, it 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 had, had yeah. a real that is it. Yeah, that that would be a great. I always wondered what it would be like to play like an American gods. I mean, maybe you could do that with Godbound, right? To play in the American gods universe, um, oh, and yeah. then to use the Godbound rules for that or another system, like not something as anime crazy as as uh, Exalted, but uh, um, something with some where your character has some real power to it, and but there are greater consequences at stake, like you know, the compelling part of that world being like losing uh, worshipers and whatnot and becoming irrelevant. But I don't, I don't want to go into uh, Neil Gaiman's writing. I think that's a, that could be like a bonus podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I will say there's a game for that. Uh, it's called oh. Scion. There you uh, go. By uh, Onyx Path Studios. Uh, I think they own it. They bought it when White Wolf got went to Paradox or whatever. But uh yeah, it has three tiers. Like you start as like a demigod who's just gotten your power, and then you keep as you keep playing in the campaign, you ascend in power and blah blah blah. And you are related to a pantheon of gods. I played a campaign of that once, actually, where I played a uh, what is a roustabout? Is that like a uh, oil worker hmm. uh, down in the Gulf? Uh, oh wow! Who's, okay, he's also like a barge salesman who was like descended from Sobek, the crocodile god of Egypt, <laughs> <laughs> like. And it basically wound up, he was kind of Popeye the Sailor Man, and I did a horrific Cajun accent the whole time. And oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time. I think um, what comes to mind for me as a realistic, challenging character, instead of playing the uh, Frankenstein-esque monstrosity from Godbound, which was, my eyes were way too big in that, in that context, but... Uh, I think the ultimate challenge for me at the moment is my 5e character. And I know we started this podcast by saying like we weren't interested in talking about our characters uh, as the typical nerd conversation. And yet here we are. Uh, But um, in that context, you know, my current 5e character, I'm trying to play a lawful good character who worships an evil deity. Um, And I've been trying to you know, stick to the, what I think are the fundamentals of lawful good and how that would work in that context. Like he worships a God of suffering and subjugation. Uh, he feels compelled to worship this God because of his tragic backstory, um, and feels that he has to like, uh, fulfill a penance for the terrible things that have happened, uh, because of his backstory and he views this God as having its eye on different people at any one time to make them suffer. And if he can take that suffering away from them or alleviate that suffering by exposing it and getting them to reveal it or talk about it, then he can, he can help them avoid future, the future ire of this deity. So, you know, that's, that's the challenge I'm putting forth to myself, you know, uh, to try to say in that context. I do want to say as someone that plays at the same, this is the same game with Burdine Cleargain. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're friends, <laughs> I guess. Um, that, uh, I, that information about the character being lawful good was revealed to me just before we started recording this podcast. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, you son of a bitch. Like it's really like, you're really well done. Like, 
Okay. So you it's would working. never like if you're at the table, you would not for a second think this guy is lawful good. And then you hear the explanation, like, oh, he's totally lawful good. Like, which to me is how you should play alignment, you know, like mm-hmm. if you can. Like Well, you called him out for for what he was when I first introduced him into the group. You called him a sin eater, which I thought I was like, man, damn it, I should have written that into uh, his character backstory is like an official title or whatever. Cause it, you know, the term is perfect. And for some reason I completely blanked on it, but yeah, that's basically what he is. So you know. there's, there's a quirk too about this character that uh, hearing the explanation, like, Oh, made sense is he enjoys causing minor suffering, very mm-hmm. annoyance level, minor suffering or not enjoys. He feels Obligated driven to to yeah. cause minor suffering to other people and hearing that story i'm realizing oh the thing he's doing with this character is like if this is the suffering they get they don't get the bigger one mm-hmm. right totally yeah yeah i'm like okay like that's yeah that is a cool challenge and doing <laughs> it in a way where it's not just uh like it is very funny but doing it in a way where it's not just funny and doesn't just like like you do it in a very respectful way of other people's play experiences. And it's really right. uh, a, a really a pleasure to have that challenging character at the table. Yeah. Like I'm really worried about it, it getting old fast and be become uh, the second part being too much comedy and three, I'm worried about it crossing over into non lawful good territory. So that's what I'm trying to like. I'll have him, you know, like we're, we're at the inn. the, you know, innkeeper comes over. What do we have to drink? We have grog and my character's like, well, I'll, I'll buy the first round for everybody. Here's a copper for it. And here's another copper so that you'll, you know, and he tells the bar barkeep to spit in it in front of everybody. And, and then, and he acts like this is totally normal and, and they haven't lived until they've drinking, you know, this grog with somebody spitting in it. Cause he, is trying to do exactly what Jesse described is, is trying to put them through minor amounts of discomfort in order to avoid uh, the worst that his deity has to offer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to skirt that line of, is this too much? Is it annoying? Is it just played for laughs or is there like an actual point to it? That got me thinking one of the things that I've never done uh, and as you know, I do find myself playing in more long form campaigns in ones that have an alignment system is deliberately playing an alignment change. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That talk about a challenge. Yeah. Like what happens? Like if you're lawful, what, like what happens that utterly disillusions you with the idea of law and order? Mm-hmm. You like, you know, uh, it'd be like for me when I went to China, like, <laughs> I think I left lawful neutral or and I came back like just chaotic neutral. Like nothing mm. matters. There's no there's no relationship between cause and effect. Things just happen now. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. Uh that would be fun mm-hmm. um as a challenge to do it in a way that, you know, had meaningful character stakes rather than just one day you wake up and like, I think. I think I'm more lawful evil now than I am. Yeah. Lawful neutral. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of, Oh God, that's a challenge. Lawful neutral. I've never played a lawful neutral. Lawful neutral is exceptionally difficult. Yeah. What do you care about? The rules. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Cause it's like, 
at least with lawful good and lawful evil, it's like they say they're like, well, they subscribe to a set of laws for their personal code. And then if you're lawful good, you do your best to, to um, exist within the system that you're in. Um, and I consider myself to be a lawfully good person in, in normal life uh, in that um, I want to do things I want to play by the rules because I know that if I don't, I'm putting somebody else through potential pain or making their life more difficult. So I, I, I get super uh, anxious around like when I was a kid, if if, when we went out or whatever, if we go to our restaurant and people were like fucking around and knocking things over and stuff, like I would get super anxious about it because all I could think about was the people that work here now have to clean all that up before they go home, like we're creating extra work for them. And so like that has manifested into me as as an adult, I consider myself to be a lawful good person. Not that I think that the law is absolute. It's just that like, look, we all live in this society that is governed by laws. And when we bend or break those laws, then we potentially cause harm to other people who are trapped within that system. And the good thing we can do is to try to think about how this affects other people before we do things. And I think if we had and my own personal code is if more people thought before they acted in that capacity, we might be in a better place in society. I'm all for changing the rules if they don't work. Uh, but we do have to subscribe to a system in which they exist. And so when people act chaotically, I'm not a person who always does the speed limit, but I mostly always do the speed limit. You know what I mean? But I have my moments. It's not like, I'm not a creature of chaos. Like, you know, I don't want to cause other people pain and suffering because they have to deal with the fact that I'm breaking the rules in society. I don't like, you know, stuff like that. So, um, wow, this, I did not expect to get into a personal alignment discussion. <laughs> I feel like we've broken every rule we set out not to do with this podcast. I know it's great. <laughs> so, um, Oh, go ahead. I go think ahead. another thing too, uh, if you're making a challenging character, um, like I think playing alignments that are against your alignment type uh, can be a challenge if you if you want alignment to matter, mm-hmm. and that's an entirely different conversation. I know yeah, every D and D game may have it. People might <laughs> write something on it, and then you ask them like, "Hey, what's your alignment?" Like, I don't know. Uh, let me look at my character sheet. Oh shit. Oh okay. I guess yeah. I'm chaotic neutral. I. Mm-hmm. No, you can't sleep with my sister. That's um, a grognard callback. Yeah, it is. Uh, I forget which edition it was. For those of you who don't know, there was like a thing in the alignment section of some D&D book, I think, that was just like, no one ever asks someone else what their alignment is. That would be like asking if you could sleep with their sister. And like so which it it boggles my mind that then that fantasy world there's people walking around within their head they're like i am lawful good <laughs> like that is my alignment and i know it and i describe it but i guess you know thanks to social media we do the same thing um yeah i'm trying there's there was a whole system uh that they didn't have alignment uh in white wolf games which it's <laughs> probably a really good decision <laughs> Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called, but they did this thing. There's a sample character sheet. Um, no, no, that's not it. 
No, I don't want PDF filler. Uh, it's like a, a deme and your outwardly facing personality archetype, and then your real personality type. Mm -hmm. Um, that I thought was just oh, nature and demeanor. That's what it was called. It's been, it's gotcha. been in it. So one of the things like that could be really challenging in that going with mechanics, um, or at least making a note to yourself to lean into it is to have a nature and demeanor that are entirely opposite. And that's what I was thinking when you're talking about, you consider yourself lawful good. I would phrase that as my demeanor is conformist. Mm. I follow the rules. The rules matter. My nature is deviant. None mm. of this matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. But there's what I present to the world for whatever reason. And then there's who I really am mm -hmm. um, or who I think I am, you know, or, you know, but I think having that as a slider on a character sheet is a way that if you want to challenge, you could uh, go for. Do you have any uh, RP opportunities that you're excited about in the near future where you have a challenging character planned? You mean outside of that 5e character? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm playing a very non-challenging character in our other game, the one that you're running, uh, Soulbound, um, which is we should probably make another episode about Soulbound alone because I'm uh, utterly enchanted with that system, and um, so maybe that qualifies um, because. I'm I I tried to play the most simplistic, straightforward, archetypal, soulbound character I I thought would they were presenting to me, because I was like I want to do, um, when I started playing D and D with that group of theater kids, uh, they had a rule that if you were new to D and D and new to their group, uh, you had to play a fighter. There was no if ands or buts about it. You didn't have to keep playing a fighter. But for the first um, story arc that you were involved in, your character had to be a fighter. And the reason why they decided that is because this was second edition, I believe, is because fighter was the most straightforward, uncomplicated character that the game offered, in their opinion, um, going back to what we originally discussed, the human fighter. Now, you didn't have to be a human fighter, but um, they that was the benchmark for if you're new to role-playing games, new to D&D, so to speak, uh, it being this, the generic, uh, you know, insert for role-playing game that we have in our culture, uh, you have to play this straightforward character. So I wanted to get soulbound, the soulbound experience and try to replicate that fashion. So I wanted to come in at what I thought was the ground level and play the most simple, straightforward thing, which was a Stormcast Eternal, um, what are they called? Night Inquisitors? Questor. Uh, Questor, yeah. And I'm like, this seems like you look at the picture on the front cover of this book and that's this character like that's what i wanted to go for and what is the most simple straightforward version of this character so that i can get a gist for the setting the the archetype what a stormcast eternal is and then start working outward from that so that is my current role rp challenge is to come in at the basic benchmark and then try to figure out how to expand out from there. Like what more does a Stormcast Eternal have to offer now that I've done the the basic ground level version of it? There's I can only go up. So maybe that maybe that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. What about what about for you? Well, I love that too, because the Stormcast Eternal uh 
that there is that inherent grief of you've already died. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you died as a great hero to your people or in a moment of great heroism. And you've probably died again since then. And each time they remake you as a tool of war, you mm -hmm. become less human and less yourself. And you just have these memory gaps and it's actually not simple. It's horrific. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, then, and I love every second of it. Um, uh, for me, I, we have a session zero coming up for Dune Adventures in the Imperium. Oh, wow. Um, from Modifius. And uh, I am super psyched because, you know, I'm a big uh, a Dune head. I love Dune. Everyone else in the group loves Dune. Nice. Um, we are super psyched to go. But I almost never do uh, cross-gender characters. And I think I'm going to oh, try and wow. play a Bene Gesserit. Wow. That's awesome. Because nobody is, everyone's like, I want to be a sword master. I want to be a Mintat. So I want to be a human computer sword master. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to be the space nun with the eugenics program. Yeah. I think, like, like, that's, um, that's brilliant. So why do you, why do you almost never play cross-gender characters then? Um, I don't feel that I know how to speak authentically in a woman's voice. Mm -hmm. I can speak authentically in an idiot's voice. Um, sure. <laughs> I can speak authentically in a blowhard's voice, but like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like I'd be overthinking everything I'm doing is like, am I being, am I doing credit to real women in a fictional game? And that may be a bit of a hang up because I don't mm -hmm. think Max is going to hurt anybody, but you know. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that kind of goes, if I, if, I don't know if this connection is going is going to work uh, perfectly, if at all. But I feel like one of the reasons why I can sit there and say in in the real world I am lawful good. I think a big part of that is as a straight white man, this society has been created for me. So it's very easy for me to be like, we should follow the rules and stay within societal structure, like because it was create it was created for me. So of course I find a benefit in doing that, right? And I can see the opposite kind of effect of being like, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm qualified or if it's right for me to take this leap uh, and play an opposite gender character or something that I am not in the real world. You know, it's like, um, I think it was Hannah Gadsby, the uh, comedian who uh, made this comment and I hope I'm not mangling it, but like, I used to be a person who put women on a pedestal in that like men were absolute garbage and and women were not women are are, are not capable of the terrible things that men do and although I, I i think that men have the gold standard on horrible shit in our world um hannah gadsby's argument was like if you deify women or put them on a platform like that then you are essentially saying that they're not human because they're not capable of doing things wrong and i think the same thing can be said or taking that leap and trying to play that other character. Obviously, I don't want people to go outside their comfort zones uh, or do something wrong. But I think that if you are considering an opposite gender character or a character that's not the same skin color or sexual orientation, like just do it from a good place. Um, and, and don't be afraid to take that lunge because then what you're essentially saying is, and maybe I'm making too much out of this, uh, but that's why I try to push myself to play characters that are not like me in that regard, because it's like, I, I, I don't want to marginalize anybody's experiences, but I also don't want to, I, I also don't want to put 
that part of humanity in a box and then, you know, lock it up with a key and say like, that's not human to me. Like I want to be able to experience all aspects of humanity and learn along the way and be a better person for it. And if I play a female character, like I'll, I'm definitely going to do something, you know, that isn't correct and not doesn't represent women as well as it should, but I'll have no opportunity to learn and get better unless I take that, that and make that effort. You know what I mean? I feel like that's part of the vulnerability aspect of role-playing games. to, To learn and do better, you need that feedback. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that you get that at the RPG table. <laughs> um, I think if you play with the right people, you can. And maybe that's yeah. a hashtag blessed thing for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I just, the the the, the broader spectrum is, is, you know, realizing that the systems in our society were made by people who look like me for the benefit of people like me. Um, that wasn't a shocking realization. Uh, the growing horror of all the ways that that took from other people in order to justify that was. And so uh, in that situation, I, you know, I don't want to do something that is because I, you know, I play in uh, mixed groups, you know, um, like I don't un- unlike our game. It's not all mm-hmm. like, you know, early 40s white dudes. Um, I don't want to take up that space from somebody else mm-hmm. and then i also don't want to be bad at it to be honest like a part of it of is like, i just don't want to be bad at it you know like that was not the challenge i was looking for is because i would have to think like i'd have to really put the work in to try and you know not just lean on lazy stereotypes mm-hmm. yeah i i i should preface or or attach on to what i was saying that like um I came up in a group that had multiple female players, um, a very diverse group of people. um, And I had the benefit of being able to make those mistakes in a very safe environment where, and this happened to me, like I played a female character once and, and I didn't do anything super terrible, but I did have uh, one of the gamers in that group. She pulled me aside and was just like, look, I, you know, basically summary, like, look, I know we're all just having fun here, but what you're doing is a stereotype and it bothers me. And here's why. And like, we didn't stop being friends. And I applaud that person for having the courage to be able to step forward and uh, have that and help me out with that. And what I will say is that the person I am today, if if there's, if the, if this is a good person, if this is a more tolerant, patient person who wants to empower other people and uh, recognize other people and um, and, and see things for what they are and be a part of the solution and not the problem. It's because of that gaming group, you know, that, that gaming group is a huge part of that. Like when I, I always knew that women were, were and girls were excluded from our hobby for a long time. But when I was faced with it later in life, I was like, this is so stupid. I had, I had such a weird benefit of being one of the rare groups that had female players in it. And then that was fine, you know, and, and, and like, it wasn't a problem. Like, so when I ran into groups that were toxic towards female gamers, I was like, what do you, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Like you're like, you know, back then gaming and nerd culture was, was like the underbelly of society. And I was like, you know, we have these stereotypes because you're pushing women away from our, our hobby when we should be embracing them and bringing them in and giving them agency and equality. 
So like, yeah, there's there's yeah. nothing nothing gained by just being a boys club. It, right. Like, oh, we can fart in front of each other and have a good chuckle about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, just just make better women friends. Um, and then yeah. you could still do that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that is the thing that we missed at the beginning of this discussion. So listeners, mm-hmm. thank you for sticking around. Why would you want to play a challenging character? Because you can grow. Mm. um from role playing you can try you can feed that anti-civilization aspect of yourself while not hurting the other people you play with Mm. uh you can stretch into new places you can get feedback about your views of the world you can learn you can try to be somebody else in a way that may not always be comfortable but that's where growth comes from Mm -hmm. and you know if you want to that's the real i think uh hashtag grind set hustle so i i think to me that's where I come to the conclusion is like you make a challenging character because you want to stretch and grow at the table. Mm -hmm. You want to get a little bit of personal growth out of your hobby. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. No one's required to. Um, But Hey, if you've been doing it for a while, you might start to look for other things to get out of it for like I did, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I I would say if you do want to play, um, if you're in a group and you want to challenge yourself in the ways that Jesse and I have described, so far just put it out there to your group you know if you typically don't play female characters or whatever the case may be put it out there say like look i want to do this here's the reasons why i want to do it i'm gonna i'm trying to come from a good place to do this um if this bothers anyone if the idea of this even bothers anyone please let me know and i won't i won't i won't do it i won't do it like or, or you could say something like if i cross a line please let me know uh, cause my goal in this is not to be offensive. My goal in this is to challenge myself and my perceptions of, you know, you know, what it's, 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 it, what exploring this character is like and what that means to me. D and D and role-playing games are so creative. We shouldn't be restricting ourselves. That's one of the things I love about the younger generation, um, and the way that they've picked up role-playing games, th- what I've observed in them and their ability to, uh, exp- like take certain things that we would consider exploring uh, when we were that age, uh, those like high benchmarks, that's like, you know, that's what they're dealing with all the time. And you know what I mean? And I'm not saying they have it easy. I'm just saying like, I admire their access at this point. Like I, I I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I love the way that the younger generation is picking up role playing games and what they're doing with it. Like I find it to be exceptionally inspiring. Like it brings a smile to my face. Uh, and I'm even a, a, a bit jealous and wish we, wish we had it this way when you and I were that age, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to get to this point. So, you know, I, I'm glad we can get to a point where we have multiple different kinds of people at the table instead of this being, you know, uh, what it's been in the past. So Definitely just get the group consent for it. Just be like, I want to try this. I might make a mistake. If I do, please let's have a conversation about it. D&D and, and role-playing games is about vulnerability. So Yeah. And with that in mind, if you find yourself coming up with an idea for your character and you're saying, oh, they're going to freak when I do this, rethink it. <laughs> if you're excited about a negative or reaction because what you're planning for your character story is deeply transgressive and you're like, Oh, they're going to squirm. Yeah. That's not, that's not why you do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it to make other people uncomfortable. That's not growth as a human being. That's just being an asshole. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I want to add too. 
is if you're just showing up to your table to roll dice and kill monsters and have jokes and have fun. Um, and, and there are elements of the group of the party that, you know, are looking for backstory. Just let your, let your GM know, just, just let them know, be like, you know, what is your backstory? Just be like, I'm Batman. That's it. You're like, look, dude, I'm just here to roll dice and have fun. Like you don't need to focus the RP spotlight on me. Like I'm, I'm just here to have fun with everybody. Like, you know, that, cause that's totally acceptable too. Like we've been saying over and over again, you don't have to be a challenging character. Just make it known that that's what you're out to do so that the, uh, you know, the game master can put that spotlight on other people who want it. You know, you think that's fair? Truth. Okay. Do we have any other things to say about challenging characters? Uh, no, I think, I think we've talked a lot about the concept, why you'd want to do it benefits that you can have, what makes something a challenging character. I think mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, uh, board left to tread. All right. Um, so well, go thank ahead. you so much for listening to the John T. Mantis. I'm Jesse. I'm Matt, uh, or Maddie or Hugh or whatever. And, yeah, and uh, you know, Jesse, if anybody has any uh, questions about challenging characters or anything else we've talked about in the podcast so far, uh, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, I am at Jingoist Fet. Don't be confused by my title as the inevitable heat death of the metaverse. Um, the podcast is at Jaunty Mantis on Twitter. We don't I don't know how Instagram works. I'm old. Um yeah that's where you can find me perfect perfect all right we'll go uh play some fucking games or something yeah that's our sign off right yeah Yeah. get out there and play fucking games roll roll some fucking dice you know what hey get out there and be play a challenging character or don't